Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the 2009 Christmas Day service, and the Bible reading is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 1, and we will read verses 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He declared Him. Father, we thank You again for our time together this morning, for Your Word. We pray now, Lord, that You would bless these next moments together as we're just reminded, Lord, of what Christmas truly is all about. We as Your children, to those that believe, to those that have truly been born again. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just a reminder, if anybody has a mobile phone, if you could please switch it off for us. If it's just on silent, it'll still interfere with this wireless equipment. We get all these background hums and noises and things, so uh, if you could switch that off during the service, we would really appreciate it, and hopefully uh, you won't have as many distractions. Amen. All right. The Apostle John, as he is writing this passage of Scripture that we have just read, of course, is now quite an aged man as he writes this gospel. We estimate that he was probably somewhere around 90 years of age. And of course, he had been an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ since he was a a young man. The Bible tells us that his head had rested on the very bosom of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there standing by the cross and 
saw his precious Savior that he loved so very much being crucified before his own eyes. He also saw him in his resurrected body that followed also. He witnessed his ascension back up to the Father in heaven. It was John that the Lord Jesus had asked and who had cherished and cared for the mother of the Lord until her death. John had witnessed the close of the Jewish dispensation. As a matter of fact, the holy city of Jerusalem itself being overthrown. He saw the new age that you and I live in, the dispensation of grace, the dispensation of the church that we live in now being ushered in. It was him that probably five or six years later after the writing of this book that the Lord would use to inspire and give him the privilege to pen under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the book of the Revelation here in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and verse 31, probably you say a key verse in all of this book. He says, but these are written, these words that are before us, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And without placing any more importance on one portion of Scripture above another, we can safely say that there would certainly not be many that would be more important than those precious words. In our reading this morning, verse 14 said, And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was made flesh. That's our simple thought this morning. There is absolutely no question whatsoever as we read these verses that the Word that is being spoken of here was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself coming in the form of flesh. Who was the Word or what was the Word? We should say we know it was the Lord Jesus Christ. The word that's used there is a word that in, in actual fact we had no real total equivalent in the English language. It was that word logos. Logos, literally, it is the before the word is actually spoken, it's the very, the very thought, the very concept, the very beginning of anything that happens or is, and it's the expression of that and the utterance of that thought. If that's what the word means, and we know that the Bible tells us that that word was the Lord Jesus Christ, now, folks, we know that what the Word of God is telling us is that we find in Jesus Christ himself the total, complete, 
collective thought and wisdom of God Almighty himself. He is actually the utterance, the expression of the person of God through the deity of God that we see in the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we even begin to comprehend that? And of course, the Bible tells us similar things in other places about Jesus Christ being the manifestation. Well, I want us to look at three simple thoughts this Christmas day that just help us to be reminded this day that we're celebrating, yes, the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but not just a baby being born in a manger, but that all that God is, all of his thought, all of his concept, all that God of the universe is coming in flesh to this earth for you and I. We first can maybe help to, to be reminded of this when we look at his relationship to God. We see that in the very word that is spoken of in the word logos, the uttered speech and thought of God himself, the visible expression of what the Bible calls the invisible God. Jesus Christ was the visibility of that for man to behold. In 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2, the Word of God says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. In our verses here, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. But the fact is, there was nothing before him. There's nothing. He is, the Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We know that the whole concept of a triune God is something that is very difficult for us to comprehend, as we have said many times. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, there's many places that we could look this morning, and most of the verses you're well aware of. But the thing that I want to remind you, first of all, is that when the Word was made flesh, that the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, his relationship to God Almighty, that he was God. He was every bit God. God in the flesh for you and I for the specific purpose to die on that cross and be raised again. 
But not only can we see it as we look at his relationship to God, but with what the Bible tells us about his relationship, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word that became flesh here, his relationship to creation. Verse 3 says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so in these verses, first of all, in those first two verses, he leaves us in absolutely no doubt as to who this Word is and that it was God himself. He also leaves absolutely no doubt in verse 3 that it was the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate God Almighty, that created everything that was created. The Bible says that without Him was not anything made that was made. There's many good things that we could find in that verse. When people begin to question Jesus Christ, and of course we do have some theological circles today that would say that Jesus began at the manger, that that was His beginning rather than seeing him and recognizing and honoring him as the eternal God that he truly is. But the Word of God makes it very clear that he was there. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, the Bible says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by, what's the next two words in your Bible? Jesus Christ. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. You see, he made the whole of creation by Jesus Christ. The old creation, just as assuredly as the new creation, without him was not anything made that was made. You know, I say this with no disrespect. Many times people try to pull and pick holes in God's Word. We can't go to Genesis, and for some they would say, well, we can't really say that God made everything out of nothing because the Word there doesn't mean that. But when you look at all at what else the Word of God teaches us, that nothing exists at all but what it was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. There was nothing. Nothing existed. If it was made, it was made by Him. We find that also as we look in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, it makes no difference. He says all things were created by him 
and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Not only was he the beginning of all things, but he's the only reason that things remain. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Do you realize that it is completely, totally impossible for you to give Jesus Christ a more important position in your life than he deserves? Nothing should be higher than him. It's impossible to get him higher than the highest. But that's why he's there. And that's the position that he deserves. And I would just ask you this Christmas day, does Jesus Christ hold that place of preeminence in your life? Because there is nothing around you, there is nothing that exists that wasn't created by him, that isn't kept by him, and all that you have, and all that you ever hope to be, and any hope that you have is all in Jesus Christ, whose birth we celebrate today. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, too many, without even really thinking about it, too many think of Christmas as the beginning of this one called Jesus. But folks, that isn't so. We see his relationship to God, that he is God, from everlasting to everlasting. And his relationship to creation, that everything that is was created by him, and everything exists only because of him and for him, the word of God teaches us. And therefore, he deserves the place of preeminence the most important place that anything or anybody has in our lives. And finally, we see in these verses not only his relationship to God and his relationship to creation, but also his relationship to mankind. His relationship to us. Notice in the next verse, in verse 4, it says in him, the Word, Jesus Christ, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. You see, He made the light of the universe. We know back in Genesis, God said, let there be light, and what happened? There was light. But He is he didn't just make the light of men. He is the light of men. Man is distinct in all of God's other creation, of everything else that he created. It was man that he created in his own image. In him, Jesus Christ was life. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life 
and this life is in his Son. And of course, as he's writing to believers there, to those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he's reminding them, God has given to us as his children today, he's given us eternal life. But that life that we have is in Jesus Christ himself. And the life, he says, was the light of men. What is the light? The life was the light. Well, where does light shine? Verse 5, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The light shineth in darkness. You see, when Jesus Christ came to this world, that day which we celebrate this day, the Bible says in coming to this world, he didn't just shine on the darkness, but he shined in the darkness. John chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. The two can't mix. You can't have darkness and light at the same time. The purpose of the light is to overcome darkness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, because remember that one of the darkest places in the world is man's heart in his sinful state. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He is the light. And that light is the life. What is the effect? He says, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, many times when we think of comprehended, we think of more of understanding. But here it has more with it the idea of apprehending. The darkness of man's willful unbelief remained unconscious of the dawning of this new day in the Lord Jesus Christ. The word here comprehended could literally be translated as overcame. The darkness could not, could not overcome the light. It couldn't lay hold of it. The darkness of sin was not able to overcome and resist the shining, the brightness of the truth. You know, it is absolutely impossible. Have you ever had a light on and tried to make it so dark that you couldn't see the light? Can you even begin to comprehend and understand that? And yet, I can say to you, without any shadow of a doubt, how many of you have ever been into some of these really deep caverns that go down under the earth? Have you ever, if you ever go into one of those places, and sometimes one of the things that they will do on these tour guides, 
once they're sure you're safe holding on to something or not going to fall into the bottomless pit or something, sometimes they'll shut the light out just so you can see just how dark that it is. And I mean, the darkness is so dark that you can take it and hold your hand right in front of you and you can't see it. You can't see anything. You know, you can take even the smallest match, strike it. And guess what? It overcomes that darkness. You see, just as in reality that we see all around us, it is impossible for the darkness to overcome light. Remember, I've used the illustration before, and I share it with you as we come to a close. You know, the fact is, is that darkness of itself did not have to be created because darkness is merely the absence of any light. God created the light. Yes, he divided it into day and night, but the darkness exists because there is no light. Just like we shared before. You can't measure how cold something is. It's felt pretty cold this past week, hasn't it? You can't measure. You can really only measure warmth. You go right down to absolute zero. You can't go any further than that. Why? Because at absolute zero, no heat whatsoever. There's no friction. There's no movement. But as soon as you begin to create heat, you're measuring. Oh, sometimes we talk about it as if it's cold, like minus such and such because it's below freezing and things like this. But in actual fact, all we can measure is the presence of any heat whatsoever. Folks, Jesus Christ came into this world to be the light of man, to shine in our hearts. We know that that was God's divine purpose for all of us. The light shines, but so many condemn themselves by loving the darkness rather than the light. You know, it's natural. You ever scratch your head sometimes and wonder, why in the world? Why in the world do people do some of the things that they do? How could somebody do that? I think we've all done it at times, but the truth is, is that sinners are supposed to act like sinners. <laughs> That's what comes natural. Most of us don't realize just the darkness that lies within the human heart when there's no light that is present. You look around this world. It's not in the condition that it's in because that God wants all the rape and the murder and the fighting and the wars and all of that. It's in the condition that it's in because of a lack of God, not because of God's presence. It's when you take him away. That's what you're left with, with the darkness of man. John chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. How many of you have ever been convicted of sin? Be honest. <laughs> How many of you were elated with the idea 
that you saw that sin. Man doesn't like his sin being shown up. Matter of fact, one of the, one of the greatest deterrents in the world is many times not because somebody really doesn't want to do it, but they don't want to get caught. They don't want their sin to be shown up. And the truth is, is that that's the nature of man. The light came, but many choose darkness rather than light. They don't want their sin to be shown up. You know, God is the only one that can do. There is absolutely, completely impossible for man in his natural dark state to see his sin. It's only by the God's grace, by the Holy Spirit drawing. And you know what? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. This is what God uses. We find that verses 9 to 11, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But aren't you glad that verses 12 and 13 follow? Another one of those big, big, huge buts. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We celebrate the birth of our Savior. The Word was made flesh. All of God's, the whole concept, His whole thought, His intellect, everything that God was, it was made flesh in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to be the light in your life. Do you want the light to shine? Or do you want to hold on to the darkness? The darkness can never overcome it. Oh, there's a glorious day coming. But in your personal life, is the light shining within you? And this Christmas, will that light shine to those around us? with all the joy and the festivities, the turkey and the stuffing and everything else that we'll enjoy today. And I'm sorry, I do enjoy those things. And you know what? We're going to go back and we're going to unwrap some gifts and I enjoy those things. I enjoy giving and I enjoy getting. But the whole idea of gifts in Christmas, God gave us the greatest gift in His Son. And it's the sharing of those gifts. And you know, he leaves us to be the light to others. That light that shines in us can shine forth to be the light of the world, he says. Will the light of Christ shine in us today? Will he be central in everything that we do as we celebrate and enjoy the other things? Let's not lose sight of him. Let's let him be the center, the focus of all that we do. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your many blessings. And I pray, Lord, that today your blessings would be upon each one here today. Lord, that it might be a glorious day as we celebrate and look on and remember what you did for us in sending forth your Son when the Word was made flesh for us. For it's in Christ's name we pray.
Amen. Amen.